On February 13, 2017, two young girls, Abigail Williams and Liberty German, had a day off of school. Where I grew up, and it sounds like here too, if you didn't use all of your snow days at school, you sometimes got like a free day sort of thing. And it sounds like that's exactly what this beautiful, unseasonably warm day in February was for the citizens of Delphi, Indiana. These were the types of days you took full advantage of, and that's exactly what they wanted to do. So Libby's older sister drove the two girls, ages 13 and 14, around one o'clock in the afternoon to a park to go hiking in the woods. This park was the location of a local landmark, the Monan High Bridge. Libby's dad was going to be picking them up later that day. And this place was a super popular place for teenagers of the area to hang out. And Abby and Libby would go take pictures of each other and pose and, you know, like normal teenage girl stuff. A little after 2 p.m., Libby posted a Snapchat of Abby walking across the Monan High Bridge. If you look this video up, you can see that it's in, it's in, the bridge is in rough shape. And I mean, there are rusted out railroad ties, there are slats missing and pieces of rotted out wood on this bridge. I would never cross it. And that is not a judgment. I mean, even as a teenager, I would never cross that. I would be terrified too. I was a total baby. I still am and a rule follower. These girls had guts though. And across the bridge, they went not just across. They were taking their time and taking pictures and just enjoying being out on an absolutely beautiful day. Libby's dad showed up to get them at about three o'clock that afternoon, but the girls weren't there waiting like they were supposed to be. So after waiting around for a little bit, he got out of the car and started walking the trail looking for them. By 4 p.m., an hour after they were supposed to meet him, he still hadn't found them, which was really unusual for those girls. By 5.30, the police had already been called. It had only been a few hours, but the police and a lot of community members came out to help Libby and Abby's parents look for the girls. The search carried on until it was too dark to safely traverse the area in search of them, and it would reconvene early the next morning. By morning, Indiana State Police and the FBI were there to assist in searching for the two teenage girls. I'm your host, Catherine, and this is Murder and Mediumship. Before we get back into this episode today, I want to remind you that all of these, quote, stories we hear and tell on podcasts, this one and others you may listen to that are in the true crime variety, they're all about real people living real experiences. And I want to encourage you to take a moment and send some strength, some love, some whatever it is that you connect with to Delphi, Indiana and the families of Abby and Libby, as well as to the family of the man charged with their murders. You don't have to send him love and light, but to his family, I, I think would be wonderful because if he is in fact guilty, he deserves whatever may come to him and maybe even more than what this world can do to him. However, he hasn't gone to trial yet, and it's important to remember that his family had nothing to do with these murders. I recently posted an update to the Heyman Lee episode where the man convicted of her murder was a boy when he was convicted, was set free after his case and was was overturned and charges had been dropped. I remember thinking, if I didn't state it in the old episode, that this case would also have answers within the next two years or so. And while I feel they have their guy, I also think there's a lot that we aren't going to know until the trial is over. There's a lot more curveballs coming for sure. 
And I want to hit some business really fast, of course, before we get back to the episode. And that's that the Patreon exclusive live episode will be recorded with the Q&A on November 28th at 8.30 p.m. We are going to be, and that's Eastern Standard Time. We're going to be connecting to the late Sylvia Brown psychic medium. And I had a lot of fun channeling Lorraine Warren last month. And frankly, we cover a lot of heaviness in these episodes. And I'm great with the exclusive episodes being with other lightworkers or interesting people for a bit. If you're looking to join a psychic medium practice circle, that is now available via Patreon as well with the intuitively aligned tier. Now, finally, I haven't done this since I moved into my new home in May, but one-on-one coaching is back open again. In this mentorship setting, I work with you individually to help you regain a sense of self, direction, and purpose. And over the period of three months, we dive into what holds you back from living your absolutely best life, from taking risks you've been on the fence with tapping more strongly into your intuition, growing your confidence in your life in general, and improving the way that you see and carry yourself so that you can improve how you interact with everyone else in your life, from setting boundaries to letting the right people in. The links for everything mentioned will be in the show notes. If you'd like to set up a half hour, a free half hour call to talk about one-on-one work together, then head on over to my website or check the links in the show notes. A long-winded hello today for sure, but back to Delphi. By noon on February 14th, 2017, the girls were found on the edge of Deer Creek, which runs under the high bridge. Reports vary from half a mile to three quarters of a mile from the bridge as to where the girls were found. The state of their bodies were never reported to the public, and I'm personally glad that it's unknown as there's no way to memorialize or remember them after you. It's just not any way to memorialize or remember them and certainly not something family needs to stumble upon or read about. Things got even stranger as the case unfolded. An avid true crime fan, Libby had the wherewithal to take her phone out and record a strange man that was approaching them on the bridge. Only a small fraction of the recording has been released to the public, and that's the man saying, girls, down the hill. And you can see in this grainy video on YouTube, an older gentleman walking across the bridge with kind of like an interesting gait to his walk as well. And he's got a dark, like navy blue, heavier jacket on and a hat. And again, I'll post the link to watching the video on YouTube, but you'll hear him in the clip say down the hill. The first time I heard of this case was years before I ever even dreamed of hosting a podcast, let alone a true crime one. And this was one of the ones that stuck with me. And I can't imagine that it doesn't stick with thousands of people. The police kept a lot of details about this case very close to the vest. They really sought to protect the integrity of the evidence so that when they did find the killer, they would be able to prosecute him effectively. I also think this is another one of those instances where you're going to see a lot more things fall than just the people responsible for the murder of these girls. There's a lot of things intertwined here for sure. And when I first released this episode in March of 2021, We didn't know nearly as much as we do now. A lot has unfolded since this episode originally aired, and the audio quality was so poor in my early episodes, I thought this would be a great chance to re-record the episode. Ron Logan, a man in his early 70s, owned the property that they were found on the edge of. I don't believe he was ever a suspect, though maybe he was a person of interest, and he was eventually cleared as far as I know. We do know that the murder scene appeared to be staged and that it was thought that the killer took a souvenir from the girls, though they wouldn't say what was missing or what was found at the scene. The public was told nothing else except that unknown hair and fibers were recovered from the scene, and it didn't look like the girls had put up a fight. 
I have to wonder if the killer used their love and friendship to sort of force cooperation with them. We later learned that the property owner, Ron Logan, had lied about his alibi that had eliminated him as a suspect. He had originally told authorities that he had been picked up by a friend on February 13th, 2017, around 2 or 2.30, to go to an aquarium store. He even went so far as to tell other friends and family members to corroborate his story or lie for him. Cell phone data showed that he had been near the trail on the 13th. But to be fair, we know that cell data isn't an exact or trustworthy, quote, science, and he lived right near the trail. So is it possible he was at his own home that day around that time? Because there are text messages that allegedly put him closer to the murder. But why would he lie to begin with? Was he just trying to avoid any further trouble than he's already had in his lifetime with law enforcement? Or was he really part of it. I mean, in May of 2022, it was revealed that the distance between the girls and Logan's home was only 1,400 feet. Logan died in January of 2022 from COVID and was never formally considered a suspect or charged with anything in relation to the murders. Was he involved? I'm not going to speculate that here, but if you're looking for the original episode that I released, it was only the third episode that I had done. Since then, I've learned a lot about what I desire to create with this show. And a lot of the earlier episodes talked more about what I saw happening or what I intuitively felt had happened with each case. As we continue on our journey in life, spiritually and otherwise, our perspectives can shift. And I've since taken the original episode down just because of a few comments that I had made that I felt maybe wouldn't be appropriate for a family member to hear. Since starting the show, I stumbled upon Maura Murray's sister's TikTok, and if you're not familiar with Maura Murray, go fall down that rabbit hole. Maura Murray went missing seemingly out of the blue, and her sister uses social media, TikTok specifically, to educate others on the great things that come from exposure of loved ones, of the story from loved ones, but then also what can happen to the surviving family members of such tragedies, because they are also victims, where others are fascinated and the living victims of these kidnappings or murders, those people are left suffering with the speculation of others and being berated by podcast hosts, by YouTube channel hosts, by all sorts of people just looking for answers to something they're so curious about, not realizing that they should have boundaries around the suffering that these real people are experiencing with this real life nightmare that they're living. Okay. So we did take that down and I will be re-recording a couple of episodes actually that are more in alignment with the way that I want the show to be received by even the most vulnerable of the true crime community, the family and friends of the victims who are, like I said, victims themselves. And I have also had family members of other victims reach out to me too specifically that I have been in communication with or that have messaged me to say thank you for releasing their story or for talking about it because I feel like they're not mentioned. But the thing is that they should never have to stumble upon hearing their relative's name or hearing their friend or their loved one's name being um, communicated in a way that they would be uncomfortable with or that would cause more grief or trigger something within them. So those will be re-recorded and excuse this little caveat here, but <clears throat> back to October of 2022. We're going to go back to October of 2022, where Richard Allen was arrested and charged with the murders of Abigail Williams. Now, that's less than a month earlier from when I'm recording today. This came as a total shock to the public. And since this is still so new and changing daily, I wanted to give it a few weeks once the news broke before I recorded an episode update. 
I'm recording this on November 13th, 2022 for reference. And according to WRTV Indianapolis, Alan is a longtime resident of Delphi, Indiana, since about 2006, I believe, is when it shows his home was purchased there by the home he shared with his wife and daughter is only about two and a half miles from where the girls were found on the Monin High Bridge Trail. The article that I read published the name of his street and a photo of his house. And according to another article I read, his wife has had to quit her job and flee town for her own safety. And quite honestly, I think that's disgusting. Obviously, the people in the town have their own feelings and people are going to do what people are going to do. But let's remember that she more than likely had no involvement and to come for someone who had nothing to do with it. She was probably just as shocked or as in living some sort of trauma herself going through this experience of finding out that the person who you think you know, you have no idea about if he is in fact guilty of this. So as of now, it's believed that neither his wife nor his daughter knew anything about his involvement in the horrific crime. And yeah, he has a daughter too, which is even more devastating because I don't think that she's all that much older than Abby and Libby are. And he hasn't faced a criminal trial yet, need I remind you. Trial by media has clearly already begun, though, and I can only imagine the trauma his family is facing as well. This must have come as a surprise to many, as he had no criminal history outside of a few really old speeding tickets. And I mean, I've got quite a few of those myself. He worked at the local CVS pharmacy as a pharmacy tech, the only pharmacy in town, and most recognized him when his face was shown on the news the Monday after his arrest. Everyone seems to be describing him as a helpful employee, and we're all taken aback by his arrest in connection to the murders. Now, if he is guilty of this, I would like to point out that as a pharmacy technician, your job is to dispense medication, and the pharmacist checks it, but you are the one like counting it. You are the one um, doing patient interaction, maybe insurance interaction. It's a very sensitive position to be in, where you are interacting with people who are also sometimes in a vulnerable state and are in need of your help and your expertise. And it just kind of shocks me that someone can be in like a medical position like this. And if he is actually guilty of this crime, doing something this horrific and being able to look the citizens of Delphi and the families of Abby and Libby in the eye when they come into that store. One of the grandparents shared how when the murder had first occurred, he printed photos for free. He didn't charge them from the Delphi CBS. And if he did commit the murders, that's, I've got nothing else to say on that other than, excuse me, but that's fucking chilling. And most recently in the news regarding Richard Allen's arrest, he is now asking for a public defender. Allen had initially denied legal aid and said that he would hire a lawyer himself. He wrote a letter to the Carroll County Circuit Court that reads as follows. In the cause listed above, I, Richard M. Allen, hereby throw myself at the mercy of the court. I am begging to be provided with legal assistance and a public defender or whatever help is available. At my initial hearing on October 28th, 2022, I asked to find representation for myself. However, at the time, I had no clue how expensive it would be just to talk to someone. I also did not realize that my wife and I's immediate financial situation was going to be. We have both been forced to immediately abandon employment, myself due to incarceration and my wife for her personal safety. She has had to abandon our house for for their own safety. What little reserve there is will fail to maintain even the original residence. Again, I throw myself at the mercy of the court. Please provide me whatever assistance you may. Thank you for your time in this most urgent matter. Sincerely, Richard M. Allen. 
As this case unfolds and more information becomes available, I'll be sure to update the Discord server, part of the Patreon experience, with whatever new information has become available. Going back now to February 2017, the 25th, just 11 days after Libby and Abby were found, Keegan Klein's home was raided by authorities. He wasn't arrested, so we're introducing a new player to this game. He wasn't arrested until August of 2020, and he has since been charged with 30 counts of child pornography and exploitation. Within the last few days, five of those charges have been dropped. Why does he matter? Prior to Libby and Abby disappearing, Libby had been communicating with the Snapchat profile, Anthony Schatz. This profile was presumed by Abby and Libby to be an incredibly attractive younger man or a teenage boy, but in reality was Keegan. Do a quick Google search for a photo as far as the public knows. And he, I I believe would have been, if my math is math incorrectly, he's 28 now. So five years ago, he would have been around 23 or so. As far as the public knows, Klein denies that he was in communication with Libby on Snapchat that day, but the account was one of the last to communicate with her before they were killed. Nothing else is known about his involvement in the actual murders, if there is involvement, but we do know that he's been meeting with law enforcement since the arrest of Richard Allen. He was also taken out of jail by Indiana State Police in August of this year as part of an ongoing investigation. According to Indianapolis Channel 13 News, Klein had created the catfishing account only six months before he was interviewed in February of 2017. He has admitted to finding girls that he knew and didn't know on Instagram and asking them to go to Snapchat to communicate with him there, soliciting inappropriate photographs and videos, knowing that most of these girls were underage and, like Libby, under even the age of 16. I want to take a moment to explain, for those of you who don't know what Snapchat is, if you've been living under a rock or if you're just like me and you can't handle one more freaking social media app on your phone, Snapchat is something where you can take a photo or a short video and you send it to someone and they're supposed to, it's just, it disappears. And when it's gone, it's gone. Obviously it's still in a server somewhere, but when it's gone, it's gone. So you can't rewatch it. If you look at it a second time, it notifies the sender. And if you screenshot it, it notifies the sender as well. So those five charges that were dropped just days after Richard Allen was arrested and charged with the murders, I couldn't shake that Klein was arrested later. Like in my memory, he had been arrested. There was someone else who had come up around this case around this time last year in 2021. And while I was stumbling around putting together some of the research for the update today, I found an article by the Independent UK, which talked about how in December of 2021, just under a year ago, authorities were asking the public to come forward with information about the catfishing account, Anthony Schatz. I think this is what was sticking in my memory here. His legal counsel has also requested that a number of remaining charges are downgraded from a level four to a level five felony or from level five to level six. We don't know for sure if this is connected and we will find out eventually for sure but officials have indicated that there could be others out there who were also involved in the murders of Abby and Libby. Authorities were recently seen searching the Wabash River near Klein's home in Peru, Indiana. In 2020, Klein had failed the polygraph when he was asked if he had any knowledge about who killed Abby and Libby. We know that Libby communicated with Klein's fake Snapchat profile, regardless of whether or not Klein was actually using it at the time, which he denies, but time will tell. We also know that a few days after the girls left to go hiking on February 13th, the Anthony Schatz Snapchat account sent a message to another user stating, yeah, we were supposed to meet, but she never showed up. 
We will see how this plays out over the coming months. Klein's January 2023 trial has been moved to May of 2023, and we'll know more about Alan's proceedings in the coming weeks as well. If you want a front row seat to updates, join Patreon at even the lowest tier and gain access to the Discord server where we talk all things true crime. Thank you all for being here. And again, send love, prayers, light, positive energy, strength to Delphi and the families of Abby and Libby. And catch you all Thursday with another segment of Coffee and Conjurings.